Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Section 3 of Oriole or the Elixir of Life by William Harrison Ainsworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Chapter 2 the dog fancier the rookery who that has passed st giles on the way to the city or coming from it but has caught a glimpse through some narrow opening of its squalid habitations and wretched and ruffianly occupants who but must have been struck with amazement that such a huge receptacle of vice and crime should be allowed to exist in the very heart of the metropolis like an ulcerated spot capable of tainting the whole system of late the progress of improvement has caused its removal but whether any less cogent motive would have abated the nuisance may be questioned for years the evil was felt and complained of but no effort was made to remedy it or to cleanse these worse than orgian stables as the place is now partially if not altogether swept away and a wide and airy street passes through the midst of its foul recesses a slight sketch may be given of its former appearance entering a narrow street guarded by posts and crossbars a few steps from the crowded thoroughfare brought you into a frightful region the refuge it was easy to perceive of half the lawless characters infesting the metropolis the coarsest rivalry assailed your ears and noisome odours afflicted your sense of smell as you advanced picking your way through canals flowing with filth or over putrescent heaps of rubbish and oyster shells all the repulsive and hideous features of the place were displayed before you there was something savagely picturesque in the aspect of the place but its features were too loathsome to be regarded with any other feeling than disgust the houses looked as sordid and as thickly crusted with the leprosy of vice as their tenants horrible habitations they were in truth many of them were without windows and where the frames were left brown paper or tin supplied the place of glass some even wanted doors and no effort was made to conceal the squalor within on the contrary it seemed to be intruded on observation miserable rooms almost destitute of furniture floors and walls caked with dirt or decked with coarse flaring prints shameless and abandoned looking women children without shoes and stockings and with scarcely a rag to their backs these were the chief objects that met the view of men few were visible the majority being out on business it is to be presumed but where a solitary straggler was seen his sinister looks and mean attire were in perfect keeping with the spot so thickly inhabited were these wretched dwellings 
that every chamber from garret to cellar swarmed with inmates as to the cellars they looked like dismal caverns which a wild beast would shun clothes line were hung from house to house festooned with every kind of garment out of the main street branched several alleys and passages all displaying the same degree of misery or if possible worse and teeming with occupants personal security however forbade any attempt to track these labyrinths but imagination after the specimen afforded could easily picture them it was impossible to move a step without insult or annoyance every human being seemed brutalized and degraded and the women appeared utterly lost to decency and made the street ring with their cries their quarrels and their imprecations it was a positive relief to escape from this hotbed of crime to the world without and breathe a purer atmosphere such being the aspect of the rookery in the daytime what must it have been when crowded with its denizens at night yet at such an hour it will now be necessary to enter its penetralia after escaping from the ruined house in the vauxhall road the two ruffians shaped their course toward st giles running the greater part of the way and reaching the broadway just as the church clock struck two darting into a narrow alley and heedless of any obstructions they encountered in their path they entered a somewhat wider cross street which they pursued for a short distance and then struck into an entry at the bottom of which was a swing door that admitted them into a small court where they found a dwarfish person wrapped in a tattered watchman's greatcoat seated on a stool with a horn lantern in his hand and a cutty in his mouth the glow of which lighted up his hard withered features this was the deputy porter of the lodging-house they were about to enter addressing him by the name of old parr the ruffians passed on and lifting the latch of another door entered a sort of kitchen at the farther end of which blazed a cheerful fire with a large copper kettle boiling upon it on one side of the room was a deal-table round which several men of sinister aspect and sordid attire were collected playing at cards a smaller table of the same material stood near the fire and opposite it was a staircase leading to the upper rooms the place was dingy and dirty in the extreme the floors could not have been scoured for years and the walls were begrimed with filth in one corner with his head resting on a heap of coals and coke lay a boy almost as black as a chimney sweep fast asleep he was the waiter the principal light was afforded by a candle stuck against the wall with a tin reflector behind it before the fire with his back turned towards it stood a noticeable individual clad in a velveteen jacket with ivory buttons a striped waistcoat drab knees a faded black silk neckcloth tied in a great bow and a pair of ancient wellingtons ascending halfway up his legs which looked disproportionately thin when compared with the upper part of his square robustious and somewhat pursy frame his face was broad jolly and good-humoured with a bottle-shaped nose fleshy lips and light grey eyes glistening with cunning and roguery his hair which dangled in long flakes over his ears and neck was of a dunnish red as were also his whiskers and beard a superannuated white castor with a black headband round it was cocked knowingly on one side of his head and gave him a fleshy and sporting look his particular vocation was made manifest by the number of dogs he had about him a beautiful black and tan spaniel of charles the second's breed popped its short snubby nose and long silken ears out of each coat pocket a pug was thrust into his breast 
and he carried an exquisite blenheim under either arm at his feet reposed an isle of sky terrier and a partly cropped french poodle of snowy whiteness with a red worsted riband round his throat this person it need scarcely be said was a dog fancier or in other words a dealer in and a stealer of dogs as well as a practiser of all the tricks connected with that nefarious trade his self-satisfied air made it evident he thought himself a smart clever fellow and adroit and knavish he was no doubt while his droll plausible and rather winning manners helped him materially to impose upon his customers his real name was taylor but he was known among his companions by the appellation of ginger on the entrance of the sandman and the tinker he nodded familiarly to them and with a sly look inquired well my artsies what luck a pretty middlin replied the sandman gruffly and seating himself at the table near the fire he kicked up the lad who was lying fast asleep on the coals and bade him fetch a pot of half and half the tinker took a place beside him and they waited in silence the arrival of the liquor which when it came was disposed of at a couple of pulls while mr ginger seeing they were engaged sauntered towards the card-table attended by his four-footed companions and now said the sandman unable to control his curiosity longer and taking out his pocket-book we'll see what fortune has given us so saying he unclasped the pocket-book while the tinker bent over him in eager curiosity but their search for money was fruitless not a single banknote was forthcoming there were several memoranda and slips of paper a few cards and an almanac for the year that was all it was a great disappointment so we've had all this trouble for nothing and nearly got shot into the bargain cried the sandman slapping down the book on the table with an oath i wish i had never undertaken the job don't let's give it up in such a hurry replied the tinker somewhat may be made on it yet let's look over them papers ah, look them over yourself rejoined the sandman pushing the book towards him i've done with them ere lazybones bring two glasses of rum and water stiff d'ye hear while the sleepy youth bestirred himself to obey these injunctions the tinker read over every memorandum in the pocket-book and then proceeded carefully to examine the different scraps of paper with which it was filled not content with one perusal he looked them all over again and then began to rub his hands with great glee what's the matter cried the sandman who had lighted a cutty and was quietly smoking it what's the row eh why this is it replied the tinker unable to contain his satisfaction there's secrets contained in this here pocket-book as'll be worth a hundred pounds and better to us we haven't had our trouble for nothing glad to hear it said the sandman looking hard at him what kind of secrets are they why hanging secrets replied the tinker with mysterious emphasis he seems to be a terrible chap and to have committed murder wholesale wholesale echoed the sandman removing the pipe from his lips that sounds awful but what a precious donkey he must be to register his crimes in that way he didn't expect the pocket-book to fall into our hands said the tinker very likely not replied the sandman but somebody else might see it i repeat he must be a fool suppose we was to make an entry of everything we does 
what a nice balance there'd be agin us when our accounts come to be wound up own is a different business altogether replied the tinker this seems a very mysterious sort of person what age should you take him to be why five and twenty at the outside replied the sandman five and sixty would be nearer the mark replied the tinker their states as far back as that five and sixty devils cried the sandman there must be some mistake in the reckoning there no it's all clear and regular rejoined the other and that doesn't seem to be the end of it neither i looked over the papers twice and one dated seventeen eighty refers to some other documents they must relate to his granddad then said the sandman it's impossible they can refer to him but i tell thee they do refer to him said the tinker somewhat angrily at having his assertion denied at least if his own words to be taken anyhow these papers is valuable to us if no one else believes in them it's clear he believes in them himself and will be glad to buy em from us that's a view of the case worthy of an old bailey lawyer replied the sandman what's the gemman's name the name on the card is oriol darcy replied the tinker any address asked the sandman the tinker shook his head that's unlucky again said the sandman ain't there no sort of clue none would differ as i can perceive said the tinker why sounds then we're just where we started from cried the sandman but it don't matter there's not much chance of making a bargain with him the crack of the skull i gave him has done his business nothing of the kind replied the tinker he always recovers from every kind of accident always recovers exclaimed the sandman in amazement what a constitution he must have surprising replied the tinker he never suffers from injuries at least not much never grows old and never expects to die for he mentions what he intends doing a hundred years hence oh he's a lunatic exclaimed the sandman a downright lunatic and that accounts for his visiting that the ruined house and fancying he hears someone talk to him he's mad depend upon it that is if i ain't cured him i am of a different opinion said the tinker and so am i said mr ginger who had approached unobserved and overheard the greater part of their discourse why what can you know about it ginger said the sandman looking up evidently rather annoyed i only know this replied ginger that you've got a good case and if you'll let me into it i'll engage to make somewhat of it well i'm agreeable said the sandman and so am i added the tinker not that i pays much regard to what you've been a-reading in his papers perused ginger the gemman's evidently half cracked if he ain't cracked altogether but he's just the person to work upon he fancies himself immortal eh exactly so replied the tinker and he also fancies he's committed a lot of murders perused ginger a desperate lot replied the tinker then he'll be glad to buy those papers at any price 
said ginger we'll deal with him in regard to the pocket-book as i deals with regard to a dog ask a price for its restitution we must find him out first said the sandman there's no difficulty in that rejoined ginger you must be constantly on the lookout you're sure to meet him some time or other that's true replied the sandman and there's no fear of his knowing us for the very moment he looked round i knocked him on the head arter all said the tinker there's no branch of the profession so safe as yours ginger the law is favourable to you and the beaks is afeard to touch you i think i shall turn dog fancier myself it's a good business replied ginger but it requires a hedication as i was saying we gets a high price sometimes for restoring a favourite especially when we've a soft-hearted lady to deal with there's some women as fond o dogs as of their own childer and when we gets one of their precious pets we makes em ransom it as the brigands you see at the adelphi or the surrey sarves their prisoners threatening to send first an ear and then a paw or a tail and so on i'll tell you what happened the other day there was a lady a miss white as was desperate fond of her dog it was a ugly warmint but no matter for that the creature had gained her heart well she lost it and somehow or other i found it she was in great trouble and a friend of mine calls to say she can have the dog again but she must pay eight pounds for it she thinks this dear and a friend of her own advises her to wait saying better terms will be offered so i sends word by my friend that if she don't come down at once the poor animal's throat will be cut that very night laughed <laughs> <laughs> the others well she sent four pound and i put up with it pursued ginger but about a month afterwards she loses her favourite again and strange to say i finds it the same game is played over again and she comes down with another four pound but she takes care this time that i shan't repeat the trick for no sooner does she obtain possession of her favourite than she embarks in the steamer for france in the hope of keeping her dog safe there oh miss bailey unfortunate miss bailey fall the riddle to lol lol unfortunate miss bailey sang the tinker but there's dog fanciers in france ain't there asked the sandman lord bless ye yes replied ginger there's as many fanciers in france as here why we drives a smartish trade with them through them foreign steamers there's scarcely a steamer as leaves the port o' london but takes out a cargo of dogs we sells them to the stewards stokers and sailors cheap and no questions asked they goes to ostend antwerp rotterdam hamburg and sometimes to havre there's a mount seer coquilou as comes over to buy dogs and we takes em to him at a house near billingskid market then you're always sure of a ready market somehow observed the sandman sartin replied ginger cause the law's so kind to us why bless you a policeman can't detain us even if he knows we've a stolen dog in our possession and we swears it's our own and yet he'd stop you in a minute if he seed you with a suspicious-looking bundle under your arm now just to show you the difference atwixt the two professions i steals a dog well you maybe fifty pounds or perhaps more 
even if i'm catched in the fact i may get fined twenty pound or have six months imprisonment vile if you steals an old fogle well you three fardens you'll get seven years abroad to a dead certainty that seems hard on us observed the sandman reflectively it's the law exclaimed ginger triumphantly now we generally escapes by paying the fine cause our pals goes and steals more dogs to raise the money we always stands by each other there's a regular organization among us so we can always bring witnesses to swear what we likes and we so puzzles the beaks that the case gets dismissed and the constable says which party shall i give the dog to your worship upon which the beak replies a shaking of his vice noddle give it to the person in whose possession it was found i have nothing more to do with it in course the dog is delivered up to us the law seems made for dog fanciers remarked the tinker what do you think o' this pursued ginger i was a-standing at the corner of grace inn lane with some of my pals near a coach stand when a lady passes by with this here dog and a beauty it is a real long-eared charlie a follerin of her well the moment i spies it i unties my apron whips up the dog and covers it up in a trice well the lady sees me and gives me in charge to a policeman but that signifies nothin i bring six witnesses to swear the dog was mine and i actually had it since it was a blind little puppy and what's more i bring its mother and that settles the pint so in course i'm discharged the dog is given up to me and the lady goes away lamenting i then place the amiable and offers to sell it for her for twenty guineas seeing as how she had taken a fancy to it but she won't bite so if i don't sell it next week i shall send it to monsieur coquilou the only way you can go wrong is to steal a dog with a collar on for if you do you may get seven years transportation for a bit of leather and a brass plate worth a shilling while the animal though worth a hundred pound can't hurt you there's law again <laughs> dog fancier's law laughed the sandman some of the fancy is given to cruelty pursued ginger and crops a dog's ears or pulls out his teeth to disguise him but i'm too fond of the animal for that i may frighten old ladies sometimes as i told you afore but i never seriously hurts their pets nor did i ever kill a dog for his skin as some on them does and you're always sure of getting a dog if you wants it i suppose inquired the tinker always replied ginger no man's dog is safe i don't care how he's kept we're sure to have him at last we feels our way with the sarvans and finds out from them the welly the master or missus sets on the dog and soon after that the animal's gone with a bit of liver prepared in my particular way i can tame the fiercest dog as ever barked take him off his chain and bring him arter me at a gallop and do respectable parties ever buy dogs knowing they're stolen inquired the tinker ay to be sure replied ginger sometimes first-rate nobs they put us up to it themselves they'll say i've just left my lord so-and-so's and there i see the couple o the finest pointers i ever clapped eyes on i want you to get me just such another couple well we understands in a minute 
and in due time the identical dogs find their way to our customer oh that's how it's done remarked the sandman yes that's the way replied ginger sometimes a party will want a couple of dogs for the shooting season and then we asked which way are you going into surrey or kent and according as the answer is given we arranges our plans well yon appears a profitable and safe employment i must say remarked the sandman perfectly so replied ginger nothing can touch us till dogs is declared by statute to be property and stealing them a misdemeanor and that won't occur in my time let's, let's hope, hope not, not rejoined the other two to come back to the point from which we started said the tinker our german's case is not so surprising as it at first appears there are some persons as believe they never will die and i myself am of the same opinion there's our old deputy here him as we calls old par why he declares he lived in queen bess's time recollects king charles being beheaded perfectly well and remembers the great fire of london as if it only occurred yesterday walker exclaimed ginger putting his finger to his nose you may laugh but it's true replied the tinker i recollect an old man telling me that he knew the deputy sixty years ago and he looked just the same then as now neither older nor younger humph <laughs> exclaimed ginger he don't look so old now that's the curiousest part of it said the tinker he don't like to talk of his age unless you can get him in the humour but he once told me he didn't know why he lived so long unless it were owing to a potion he'd swallowed which his master who was a great conjurer in queen bess's days had brewed Psh, ha, exclaimed ginger i thought you too knowing a cough tinker to be gulled by such an old wife story as that let's have the old fellow in and talk to him replied the tinker here lazy bones he added rousing the sleeping youth go and tell old parvy wants his company over a glass of rum and water end of section three